Thank you, church family, for your grace in allowing us to, to do that minute a little bit earlier than the rest of the nation. I think uh, our heart this morning was not to take away in any way the significance, obviously, but just to allow ministry to flow too so that we wouldn't uh, disrupt that as well. So I hope that uh, your, your heart understands the integrity of that and just how much we're standing with the nation at this time. It's... Um, it's incredible, the, the, we're doing this series at the moment on Amazing Grace, and uh, this morning's theme is Freedom in Grace. And uh, I'd like to say that we were clever enough to have planned that particular subject to land on Armistice Day, but uh, we weren't. Um, and, uh, but I just love how the synergy of that works today. And we're gonna be looking at grace, but we're gonna be looking at the freedom that God has designed for us to experience uh, not just when we die and go to heaven, but there is a freedom that He is calling us into today, to a place where we know that our hearts are free, filled with joy, filled with the Spirit of God and able to live in the liberty that Jesus paid such a price for. I don't know about you, but I've found a great difference between that which God has achieved for us and the level of that which I live in, you know. And it seems like we're constantly looking to move towards further or deeper into those things of God so that it becomes our lived experience in God. And this morning, my prayer is that there's a key or an idea here that helps you take that journey in your own life. I don't think there's a person on the earth that doesn't wanna be more freer than their life, if that's even English, but more freer. You know, a little bit more, less guilt, less torment or shame or suffering. You know, the memory of a broken past or broken relationships, cycles of addiction that keep plaguing people, feelings of inadequacy, anxieties, depressions, etc. You know, that, that we could be a little freer. We can be born again, but still not free of some of those things. And, and I believe it's a promise of God to us that we can be that we can be free. And again, it's not a goalpost to hit or it's not a, there's not a time frame that needs to happen in. But, but Jesus, I think, is calling us into that place of healing and wholeness. And this morning, uh, I'm praying that that will inspire you in some way. But our, our text this morning is Galatians 5 and verse 1. If you want to turn to that, it'll be on the screen if you don't have your Bible. And it says this, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free. And do not be entangled again with a yoke of bondage. Indeed, I, Paul, say to you that if you become circumcised, Christ will profit you nothing. And I testify again to every man who becomes circumcised that he is a debtor to keep the whole law. You have become estranged from Christ. You who attempt to be justified by law, you have fallen from grace. They are strong words. You have fallen from grace. I love the message translation of this that says, Christ has set us free to live a free life. So take your stand. Never again let anyone put a harness of slavery on you. But what is freedom? What is this freedom that we're actually trying to define and move towards? The Rolling Stones song, they sang, I'm free to do what I want. Any old time. Is that the definition of freedom? That I have the opportunity to find the thing that I wanna do 
give as much time to that as I possibly can. And if that's gonna happen, now I'm free. And I've found that place of freedom. I reckon it could be true except for this one problem, that the thing we want keeps changing. So we keep getting close to the thing we want and yet we find what we thought we want, we now don't want. And so now there's a new want that plagues us or that we aim at or that we're moving towards that compels us in some way. We've thought that freedom is about having the time and the means to do as we please, but actually we get tired of the mundane and the everyday quite quickly. And then we have this insatiable appetite to wanna stimulate something more to move towards. There is this old Chinese fable called the Stonecutter's Fable. And I wanna read it out to you this morning because it kind of talks a little bit, illustrates a little bit of this human condition, of this desire to, to, to reach for the thing we don't have in order that we could find fulfilment and freedom. It's the story of a dissatisfied stonecutter. There was once a stonecutter who was dissatisfied with himself and his position in life. One day he passed a wealthy merchant's house. Through the open gateway, he saw many fine possessions and important visitors. How powerful that merchant must be, thought the stonecutter. He became very envious and wished he could be like the merchant. To his great surprise, he suddenly became the merchant, enjoying more luxuries and power than he'd ever imagined. But soon a high official passed by, carried on the shoulders of servants in a chair. Everyone had to bow to him. How powerful that official is, he thought. I wish I could be him. Then he became the high official, carried in the chair, feared and hated by all. It was a hot summer day and he felt uncomfortable. He looked at the sun and said, how powerful the sun is, he wished, thought. I wish I could be the sun. Then he became the sun, shining fiercely down on everyone with a huge black cloud though came and blocked his light. How powerful that storm cloud is, he thought. I wish I could be that storm cloud. Then he became the cloud, flooding the fields and villages, shouted at by everyone. But soon he was being pushed away by a great force, the wind. How powerful it is, he thought. I wish I could be the wind. Then he became the wind. Soon he ran up against something that would not move, no matter how forcefully he blew against it. A huge towering rock. How powerful that rock is, he thought. I wish I could be that rock. Then he became the rock, more powerful than anything else on the earth. As he stood there, he heard the sound of a hammer pounding a chisel into the hard surface and he felt himself being changed. What could be more powerful than I, the rock, he thought. He looked down and saw the figure of a stone cutter. It's kind of an irony that it sort of describes our life. You know, there's always seems to be a greener grass. There always seems to be a way of life, a, a, a way of doing life that will be more fulfilling and satisfying than the one we have. Psychologists have a fancy name for this. They call it hedonic adaptation. Hedonic adaptation. Essentially, it means this, that after achieving our major life goals, we discover that the achievement fails to deliver the payoff we thought it would. So our expectations and desires recalibrate themselves to a new set of wants. And now we have a new gap in our sense of satisfaction. In other words, we're satisfied and we look forward and we create a new dissatisfaction. And so we constantly reinvent the cycle of dissatisfaction. The human heart strives to define itself and value itself often through the things that it does and the experiences that it enjoys. 
but we don't find the freedom in that. Because at the end of the day, why is that true? Why is it when we actually get the thing we thought we needed, why is there no long-term lasting effect in the human heart? Ultimately, it's because these things we grab don't have life in them of themselves. There's no life in them. We are the ones that bring the life to them and whatever we bring to them, of course, ultimately is what we're left with. Now we know that in our head, but yet it's a repeating pattern of our heart to continue to long for that which we don't have. This morning, I think it's, it's obvious that as I preach this, that true freedom is only found in God. God is the source of true freedom because only God can validate who I am. Not what I do or the experiences that I'm having, but who I am, the person that I am. Our ultimate freedom comes from a loving Father who says to us right into the core of us, I created you. I made you unique and special. I have redeemed you. I have taken the obstacles away in our relationship and I love you and I want fellowship with you. And when the human heart really hears that, there's something validating and powerful because there's no higher source than that to validate the human being. The challenge for us is hearing it. The challenge for us is being able to capture that so that our hearts deeply find the freedom that's been promised by God. This morning, I want us to explore this. The, the challenge of this expectation, or, or maybe it's, it's more a declaration by God over us, is it creates a tension for us. There is a freedom and a validation that God has already given you. You already have it. He can do no more. But then there's a freedom and validation that comes to you that you actually have to experience. He's already said you're free, but yet we know we're not. And so we have this gap and we wanna bring those two things together. We are free, but we're learning to become free. Have a look at Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 12. It says this, but this man, talking about Jesus, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God, from that time waiting till his enemies are made his footstool. Let's pause for a minute. It's done. He has done it. It is finished, Jesus said on the cross. What needed to be done for humanity's reconciliation and freedom is done. And I love the sense of that, that it's done. And now the question is, how can it become that for you and me? The next part says this in that same scripture. For by one offering, he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. And so we have something that's complete and we have something that is progressing. Something that is done and something that is not yet done. And so we're living in the tension of these two things. I guess ultimately the question you have to ask is, how much of that is Jesus wanting me to experience now? You answer that question, then you'll set your expectation for your conversation with God. If you've decided that all of that that's possible is not possible to be entered into now, but will be in the future, well then that's what you'll do. If, some, if you say, no, that's not true. I believe that God has something for me now. God wants me to love more, forgive more, be at peace more, to live a life of generosity more, to have more patience, more kindness for people around me. God wants me to be a light that shines and that light needs to get brighter. If you believe that's true, 
then there's more of God you need right now and so do I. And though there's freedom in that statement in itself because my light can't get brighter unless I am freer. And so God is wanting us to enter into that conversation. He has perfected you and is perfecting you. Let's read the rest of that Hebrews scripture. But the Holy Spirit also witnesses to us for after he has said before, this is in, in Jeremiah, but the Holy, this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws into their hearts and in their minds. I will write them, then he adds. Their sins and their lawless deeds, I will remember no more. God is wanting to write his ways into our hearts and minds, which takes the spiritual reality of your freedom and produces a lived reality in that freedom. The writing of the law of God into your heart and into your mind. John 8 and verse 36 says, if the Son makes you free, then you shall be free indeed. If the Son makes you free, you'll be free indeed. So there is a freedom and then there's a freedom indeed, a freedom in action, a freedom incarnate inside you that God wants to help us find. I like to think of it as an awakening that happens inside us. When you become born again, and if to this morning, you, you, you are not born again. You don't know Jesus as your Lord and Saviour. We're gonna give you an opportunity to do that this morning. But for those of us who know Jesus as Lord and Saviour, there was a point where you began your relationship with God. Now, you may not be able to point to a date. You may not be able to point to a time. Some can, some can't. That's not the importance here. The thing is, there was a time where your heart said, Jesus is Lord. He is all that they said He is. He is my Saviour. He has reached down and rescued me. I am rescued. Without that rescuing, I would have no hope or future. And something of the truth of that became real to you. The Bible calls that being born again. It's an awakening. It's a coming alive to the truths of God. Essentially, that is the journey of our life now. God is calling us on successive revelations of God in the same way that you were born again. It's, it's an awakening of who God says you are. He says, through my son, Jesus, you are righteous. So come into fellowship with me and we say, God, thank you. And I, I will receive you as my Lord. And we take it by faith. And that becomes real to us. It becomes food to us. But it's the beginning of the food. It's the, it's the milk of the Word. It's the starting point. And then God says, now come, come to the banquet table. Come in further because now that we've got in the door, I wanna show you a whole bunch else. I wanna get your heart to catch it so that you will be my son, you will be my daughter. The important question then is what needs to happen in our lives if we are going to take the spiritual reality of our freedom and actually find that lived reality. I think to do that, we've got to go back to the Garden of Eden. We've got to have a look at what God had originally created humankind for. What was lost at the fall of Adam and Eve? And what is God trying to restore? What are we going back to? What is the thing that was the dream in God's mind and heart? In Genesis 3, it says this, that Adam heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day. I always thought this had something to do with the time of day. I always thought that Jesus 
came down and in the garden and didn't want to get sunburned. So he came in the cool and walked in the shadows because it was just a nice time to be talking to people. But when you actually look at the Hebrew translation, then that translation is fairly ordinary, to be honest, of what the actual truth of it is behind that. Adam heard the call of the Lord in the Ruach Hayom. He heard the call of the Lord, which means voice, in the Ruach, which is spirit, and Hayom, which means continuous ticking of time, the continuous movement of time. He heard the voice of the Lord throughout the continuity of the day. It's the God's voice that's in creation. It's God's voice in His Spirit that is constantly speaking to you now. And Adam fellowshiped that with God. He fellowshiped with God. He heard the voice. The voice, he spoke with God and God spoke with him. But something happened to humankind's ability. We know the story. They ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And then this, in Genesis 3, 7 to 11, it says this. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. And they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day. There's that that line. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord called to Adam and said to him, where are you? And he said, I heard your voice and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And he said, who told you you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you that you should not eat? It's interesting to me that the death that came to humanity was that their eyes were opened, not closed. Their eyes were opened. They saw something that previously they had not seen before. Something that may have existed, but they had not seen it. They saw something and as a result of seeing it, they died. There's something inside them spiritually that died. What what is that that happened? Their eyes became conscious of their vulnerabilities. They are now vulnerable. They They were secure before, now they're vulnerable. Did God shift away from them? Had God changed His posture with men? Now God was still God, God was still there, God was still speaking to them, but now as they were hearing the voice of God, they were threatened, they felt threatened. The eyes that had opened had now seen something and the voice of the Lord who created them, who was their father, who walked with them, who loved them, who put them in a safe and secure and wonderful environment, now suddenly that was intimidating. Now suddenly they're no longer feeling that. And out of that sense of vulnerability, they start to create a mythology of truth. In other words, it's their truth, but it's not actually true. It's mythology. What do they create? Well, the first words they started to create was, I am naked. And God said, well, who told you that? That's that's not something I've ever said. That's not something that I've created. That's not something I've ordained for you to be. But You're naked, are you? Their eyes saw they were naked. They were vulnerable. They were exposed. 
And from that stance, then they created more patterns of thinking and feeling and behaving. They felt vulnerable and threatened. They'd never felt that before in their life. That's a new emotion, vulnerable and threatened. How do you do that when you're walking with the loving God? Now I'm vulnerable and threatened. That's a human emotion that's being created, that it's a mythology. It's, it might be real to the person, but it's not real in God's design. And so they're aligning themselves with a truth that wants to be alive inside them. It's death to their relationship with God. It's a lie. We don't have time to talk about the father of lies and all that he does, but he's in there. <laughs> they felt shame. Shame, there's an emotion that they never knew before. They invented it. It just happened. That's shame. There's a name, there's a label. I'm feeling something, it's called shame. They covered themselves and hid. That's a way of behaving. They had never hid from God and they'd never covered themselves before. It's a whole new way of doing life. They recreated truth and there they are working from this new centre. For Adam and Eve now, then freedom, the word freedom has a different definition. To be free now from my shame, I need to cover myself. To be free from my vulnerability, I must hide myself. To be free, I need to control the threats. So I better make sure that everything's under my control, otherwise I will be exposed, I will be threatened. So now they start to act in a way that completely is outside of what God wants. That's nothing to, God wouldn't have ordained that at all. God says, you're safe, you're with me. No, we're not. And now we disagree completely with the creator of the universe. And we go about populating the earth. In Galatians 5, the, our, our main scripture, Paul was addressing this idea. And I, I don't wanna get involved in the circumcision he was talking about. That's, that's not the point of this. I wanna look at the fact that he was addressing this desire for control. He said, you who attempt to be justified by the law have become estranged from Christ. You've fallen from grace. In other words, you're trying to do it. You've taken back control of your relationship with God. You're now the one that's got to make it happen. And because you're not so sure whether all your bases are covered, you've got a foot in both camps. It's not that practice he was criticising, it's the heart he was speaking to. You've lost the grace, the stance of grace, the sense that God is with me. I don't have to do anything more. He has done it all for me. Religion tries to convince us of this all the time. Religion says, do some things and then God will favour you. You know, if I can just say my prayers a bit more, read my Bible a little bit more, be good to my mother, pay a few bucks into the church offering, drink a little less, swear a little less, do a kind deed. Hey, how am I going? How am I going, Lord? Now, if you'd just help me with that little TAB bet that I put down the other day, that'd be just great and I'll know that you're with me and I'll put out a little fleece. I'll call it a fleece. There you go, I've done this and I put out my fleece. Now, God. And God says, what are you doing? That's not relationship, that's transaction. You want something from me. Can you see? God wants to draw a completely different stance from us. It's almost like we give God his position description and he needs to fulfill it. God is calling us to a walk of faith. 
I think if you've read your Bible for any more than five minutes, you know that walking by faith with God is what God's asking us to do. The challenge always is, how do you do it? What is that? What is it to walk by faith? I think walking by faith is the culmination of two things, my thoughts. God is doing two things. One is healing our heart so we're able to trust Him. Unless He heals our heart, we're not able to trust God. We have to be able to let go of control and something inside of us has got to be healed a bit for that control to be released. Second thing He's doing is He's giving us then seeds of faith to grow our capacity to trust Him. So He heals our heart so we can receive and then He gives us the seed so that we can do and grow. And we're, we're, we're the cultivators of the seeds of faith that God gives us. So you see in the Bible, there's these two postures all the time, this idea of refuge and fortress, the place of rest and the place of response, the place, the, the, a posture where we, we sit before God and then a purpose that God gives us. So we are both walking with God in the security of that, but also we're doing things with God in partnership. And the two work together. And as we ask, as we, we act on the seeds of faith that He gives us, He confirms His word with signs following, and then we know God is with us. And that's how we get the affirmation in our heart. We act on the seeds of faith. The seeds of faith become the water that we walk on. And as we do, God turns up and shows up. We say, Thank you, Lord, you're with me. And the relationship deepens. I can trust you a little bit more. My heart's just been healed a little bit more. I can go a little bit further out of the boat. I can leave it a little bit further now. I'm not as vulnerable as I thought I was. Now, God would love it if we just run. I found it, I'm not real good at just leaving all my securities just like that. But He coaxes us out. Huh? Time and time and time and time again. The parable of the sower has really come alive for me in this, in terms of how I think God deals with us and some of the areas of our life where we find relationship with God difficult. And I reckon Jesus classified these into three kind of big headings in the parable of the sower. Let's quickly have a look at it and let's jump to the, to the main point of it. Matthew 13 and verse three says this, then he spoke many things to them in parables saying, behold, a sower went out to sow and as he sowed, some seed fell on the wayside and the birds came and devoured it. Some fell on the stony places where they did not have much earth and they immediately sprang up because they had no depth of earth. And when the sun was up, they were scorched and because they had no root, they withered away. And some fell amongst thorns and the thorns sprang up and choked them, but others fell on good ground and yielded a crop. Some a hundredfold, some 60, some 30. He who has ears to hear let him hear. I think the key to this parable is in what Jesus spoke to his disciples privately afterwards. We jump forward to verse 13 of chapter 13 and it says this, therefore I speak to them in parables because seeing they do not see and hearing they do not hear nor do they understand. And in them the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled which says, hearing you will hear and not understand and seeing you will see and not perceive for the hearts of this people have grown dull their ears are hard of hearing and their eyes they've closed lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears lest they should understand with their hearts and turn so that I should heal them so that I should 
heal them. For blessed are the eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For assuredly, I say to you that many prophets and righteous men desired to see what you see and did not see it, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. Jesus is talking about how he heals the human heart and the areas of relationship that most need addressing between us and God. Firstly, he talked about the wayside. What is the wayside? Each one of us has the wayside, the thorny ground, and the other one, (laughs) the stony ground, in our lives at any given time. It's not one or the other, it's all three, and good ground too, I dare say. What is this wayside? It's the ways of life that you have determined are not up for negotiation. It's the way you've been brought up. It's the way you do things. Well, I'm just angry. If someone does something that to me, I get angry. Just suck it up and like it. That's just who I am. Well, that's your way. This is the way I get from point A to B. This is the most efficient way to think and feel. I know it, I've learnt it. My parents did that way, I do it that way. This is the way we do it. That's us. That's our way. And we've got, you've got them and I've got them. I've got a way of doing things. And the thing about the way that you do things is you are least likely to be open to God's input about how to do that better because you have ruled it out as an option. And Jesus is saying, you've got wayside. You've got really thin, stony ground that people trample on. It's the way of thoroughfare. You go in and out all the time the same way. You're not even in conversation with me about those things. Second area is the stony ground. The stony ground is the hidden thoughts and attitudes. And they only become exposed, notice this when he was telling the parable, when the seed goes in and the roots go down, then you see what's under the surface. So without the word splitting between soul and spirit, joint and marrow, there's no way of knowing that the rocks under the ground are even there. But when the word of God comes along, have you found this? Suddenly you find yourself wanting. Why? Because the word of God is speaking to you. Be kind, forgive that person. I won't. No. (laughs) Suddenly now there's something that is pressing us in a different way, asking us to take a different posture and the stones become exposed. The thorny ground, the cares and the riches of this world, our preoccupation with the material over the spiritual. How can you have a conversation with God of any depth if you are completely preoccupied with the material? I'm not saying there's anything wrong with the material. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with things and stuff. But what what Jesus is saying is in that area of your life where you are preoccupied with the material and not the spiritual, you don't have a place for the conversation to happen. There's no way I can meet with you. Where is the secret place that I can come and find you in? Where I can show you my heart and my thoughts, I can reveal to you so that I can sow the seed. And what I love about this whole parable is the sower keeps on sowing. Did you notice, I said, God, as I'm preparing for this, what's with that? Like I'm a bit of a tight thing, personally. I won't know that I'd buy seed to throw on the wayside. Like there'd be better places to put it. And yet the picture of the parable is, knowing that it's wayside, he still sows. I love this picture of God. It's telling us the nature of God. God will keep coming to you and coming to you and coming to you and coming to you. He will never tire of pursuing you. No matter how productive the ground may or may not be, it doesn't stop His behaviour. Don't you love that? 
He doesn't look at that like we do humanly. We look at someone and say, well, you're disinterested. I don't have any time for you right now either. God says, no, no, no. Irrespective of what you're giving me back, I will keep coming. If you've ignored me for 10 years, I will keep coming. If you ignore me for 20 years, I will keep coming. If you keep thinking you're not worthy of my love, I will still keep coming. I will keep coming. And what is the word that he brings? This is the part I love about God working with us. Our Bibles have in it the great narrative of of God's love for us. But what I love about it is how he takes that word and he ministers to us specifically. And so the seed that God's putting in my heart is the seed that I need right now to grow. It's what I need to do. He takes his word, and he, but it's different to all of you. We could go around and there'll be so many different ways he's sowing seed here today. But let me tell you this, he is sowing them. And what we have to do is receive them. Allow them to heal our heart. Let our eyes come open. Not the eyes of, that we look here with, but the eyes of our spirit, the ears of our spirit, the heart that understands, that says this is a different way. This is the way of God. God is always calling you to that walk of faith. The Spirit of God is always trying to heal our mythologies. He's trying to go back to the truths that we think are truths and say, no, no, they're not. Will you give them up? That's not who I am. That's not what I have for you. You'll find me over here and I want you. I wanna work with you. You know, Peter Janeski stood on this stage a couple of weeks ago and talked about the prodigal son and I'm not gonna go into the story again, but I loved what he drew out about that But did you notice the progression of mythology that changed inside the prodigal son? His first myth was, the father is useless to me, I want him dead and I want my inheritance now. In other words, my future doesn't include him. He is extra to my needs. But then he went to a place of the pigs and now suddenly the father's good enough for him to be a servant to. Let me ask you this, who's been changing in this, the father or the son? The father's still the father. Where's the father? He's still waiting for him. But now the father, he could be a servant to the father. I'll give that a crack. So back he goes to see the father. And as he gets to the father, what's the third thing he's encountered? Absolute and total acceptance and restoration. What's changed in this? The frame of reference, the perspective inside the prodigal shifted and shifted and shifted and finally there was restoration and I would like to assert today that's the journey of faith that's what God wants you to do come on the journey with Him God is a God of relationship He wants that with you and He wants to progress us deeper into that place there is a healing in the Father's heart for you this morning could we pray Father God the things that we're just touching the edges on, I know is actually shouting a testimony of your grace. It's our heart saying, God, this is what grace sounds like. It's your relentless, extravagant love, but also it's our response that's required for that love to find root in our heart. God, this morning I pray that you would help each one of us to do this journey, give us the courage to do this journey. 
Father, would you help us to make that space for you so that seeds can be sown, hearts can heal, and God, your kingdom can come in and around our lives and families. God, that's our prayer this morning. Would you help each one of us? In Jesus' name, amen. If this morning when I spoke earlier about being born again or becoming a Christian, and you said, I've never made that decision. I've actually never put my trust in Jesus before. I know that God would be real. I've, I know Jesus exists. But I don't know anything about that personal encounter like you're talking about. We call that being born again. Why? Because God comes to us and He opens our eyes to the fact that the truth of the gospel is true. It's the first real truth that He comes to us with and says, hey, it's all real. I'm real. Jesus did what He did for you. And if you're feeling like an urgency inside your heart or a tugging on your heart saying, I want this, then that's God saying, come. That's what it feels like. There's this sense of more. There's a sense of, I wanna come closer to Him. Could I encourage you this morning, if you're feeling that, yield to Him, give, in, give it to Him. Say, yes, God, I'm up for this journey. I don't understand everything that's gonna be ahead of me. I don't know all that you're asking me to do. But what I feel is real. And I would like a relationship with you that is authentic, that helps me. God does not wanna do anything more than come alongside you and help you, be your father. He does not have a book of rules for you. What He does have is a love relationship for you. If that's you this morning, I'm gonna ask you in a minute just to put your hand up and say, yeah, I'm gonna, I wanna respond to that this morning. I'm gonna ask all the people here just to bow their heads and close their eyes. If we could do that just now, just to give you some privacy for a minute. But if that's you this morning, all I need you to do is raise your hand. You will not have to come to the front. We will not embarrass you. It's just you before God saying, I'm in God. That's it. I'm gonna lead you in a prayer and then we'll give you some material to help you move forward. But if that's you this morning, would you put your hand up right now? Yes, sir, thank you. As soon as I've seen it, just pop it straight down. You don't have to hold it up in the air too long. If that's you this morning, could you give me a wave? Just as I look across the people. So I'm in. I'm in. I don't understand it all. You know what? Neither do I. <laughs> so welcome to the club. But I do know this. God is so good. He is so kind. He's a wonderful person to know. He will help you. Is there anybody else this morning? Anybody else? Yes, sorry. Yes, I see that hand at the back. I'm sorry, I didn't see you before. Thank you. Well, we're gonna pray. What I'm gonna ask us all to do with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, those that put their hand up, and even if there are those here that say, look, I, I, I should have put my hand up, why don't you pray this prayer as well? You're praying this between you and God. Pray it to Him. You're not joining a church. You're actually having a relationship with God. I'm gonna give you the words, repeat these after me. Could we all pray this together just to help people do this? Heavenly Father, thank You for Your love for me. Thank You for sending Jesus. Thank You for the cross that has come and dealt with my sin. Thank You for rising again and giving me Your new life. 
Today, I put my trust in You. Would You come into my life? Would You help me? Would You heal me? And God, I look forward to living with You. In Jesus' Name, Amen. Amen. If you prayed that this morning and that was your first time or the first time in a, in a long time, we'd, we wanna help you. Make sure when you leave your seat this morning, go past our welcome lounge. If you came with someone this morning, let them take you there. There's just some literature there. We won't keep you more than a few minutes. We just love to help you get started in the things of God. For the rest of us, could we stand this morning? I'd love us just to worship for a minute. I love in our hearts as we are just approaching the worship, this song, could we just begin to remember all the promises that God has given you? As we're worshiping this morning, let's remember as children of God, He is calling us into that relationship with Him. And I don't wanna make this kind of like one big altar actually, where as we stand and worship this morning, let's respond to Him. And let's sing with all of our heart.